Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. Kenneth, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm ex- I'm excited. We have a great guest today. Yeah, man. I'm, I, you wish we, let's jump right in. I don't feel like talking to you, uh, Ken. I want to jump <laughs> no. right into this. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, no time for small talk whatsoever, I don't even Ken. know if I like the guy now. <laughs> See, I told you, you're not going to. You're not, you're not going to, Jeff. Trust me. I, I'm very influenced by first impressions by other people. Okay. See? All right. Good. I want him over already, Ken. I like it. He's on my side. I'll be uh, back on your side, Ken. Don't worry. Well, Ken, Ken's a, Ken's, I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll give him the better, give Ken the benefit of the doubt. Uh, we don't need to give our guest the benefit of the doubt though. Um, I want to introduce him right now. We have Jeff Kazee with us. Uh, he's a band leader, keyboardist, producer for uh, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. I could save us all a lot of time and energy and list the people in the music industry he has not played with, uh, but I will list uh, some of the people we played with. Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, Dar Williams, G.E. Smith, the Blues Brothers, James Taylor. Uh, he's led the house band for David, uh, the David Letter- Late Night with David Letterman. His new album, which Ken and I have been totally enjoying, uh, thanks for checking in, is available now. And he plays the hell out of the B3 organ. Uh, Jeff Kazee, thanks for coming on the show, man. Well, thanks for reading the... Uh... Paper I supplied you. <laughs> yes, I, I was there, there. Don't worry, there was not a gun to my head right off camera. Uh, everybody. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun to be here. Yeah, uh, th- thanks for having us. Uh, so Ken and I have uh, really been enjoying uh, enjoying the album. Um, it's I, I I think one of my my favorite tracks is uh, a little bit of sunshine. It's just wow. it's it's so much fun. So upbeat. Uh, w- did you write this like during that? Was this during the pandemic that you wrote this, or did you have this ready before? No, I, I actually had started writing that before um, mm-hmm. because believe it or not, if you've listened to the record, if you do, if anyone does, there the theme of it really is it's kind of bittersweet. Sometimes it sounds, it, sometimes the sound the song sounds more positive and, and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. I like that. And um, but this was actually it's called a little bit of sunshine and it, it, it's actually kind of an uplifting song by me that was meant to be uplifting. It's kind of gospely and bright, but, um, and it, it's just, uh, I really got it from like a Ray Charles slash Van Morrison kind of vibe. And I needed something super positive for the collection, you know, when yeah. I decided to do it. So thanks for liking that. Yeah. It's, it's such a great, it's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to insult you by saying this, but it, it, I feel like I'm saying this in the, the best way possible. It, I feel like it could be like the theme song. If like Sid and Marty Croft came out with a new show, like this would be wow. it. This is yeah. well, um, I hope hopefully the technology is better with the Crofts. Right, um, <laughs> right, right, but, right. Yeah. Not as horrifying, well, but it's just in the sea monster, I guess you're referring to, or the land of the lost, right? Yeah. Those, yeah. The, uh, what was the puffin, the puffin stuff guy? HR yeah. puffin stuff. HR Puffin stuff, just yeah, that now, 70s feel to those things are like weed titles. Right, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great song. You, thank you. And then it goes right into maybe my second favorite song right after that, which is, I mean, definitely a, a, sh- a shift is is the song Tracy, which I love. And oh. just a, about a girl you knew in high school, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it most it's mostly... It, it's uh, derived from uh, they're, they're sourced from real stories or real moments and then fictionalized depending on how, how complicit I want to be with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is actually though. It's like a love on the wrong side of the tracks kind of thing. Although we were both sort of on the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, we, we I, I grew up in like a blue collar town in, in Ohio called Lima, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's like Patterson, but not as charming. Really. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh 
uh, <laughs> that's very localized. <laughs> that's a good description. I'm, I'm from Jersey, so that's uh, yeah. I got it. But somewhere in Michigan, somebody's feeling the same. They feel that what I'm talking about. They're like, yeah, that's it. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, we were. She was a beautiful. Uh, this is just a. Be- I was way out of. I would k- I'll kick my coverage kind of as far as looks and so. Mm-hmm. We had like an innocent, you know, kind of an innocent, uh, you know, a puppy love kind of thing, and um, and it, you know, it just ran its course like like you're supposed to in high school. You know what sure. I mean? And um, and so I always remembered her, and um, and I remembered that feeling of of it, of, of yeah. A lot about this record is some things just aren't meant to be, you know, it's just the way it is. That's life, you know. And uh, anyway, so, of course, I uh, cannibalized my human emotion and, and, and turned it into a song. Perfect. Now, do, do you like do you track her down on Facebook and no. let her know there's a song for her? I, I mean, for real, Ken, it, it's like it, it's like a joke. There's a lot of truth in it. But mm-hmm. then you got to craft it and, right. and, and make it fit. And um, and then. What I'm found finding out, first of all, it's not her name, the, the person, but um, I'm finding out a lot of people had their own Tracys or their own Jeffs, you know, um, where people go, oh, yeah, I, that happened to me or I was that guy. You know, it's it's really funny how people I, I didn't expect that to be such a universal uh, story. for people. Yeah. Chip it, Chip has a long history of Jeffs. Um <laughs> Lots of Jeffs. No. Lots of Jeffs. See, you're you're a better man than I because if I was capable of writing a song and I wrote a song for a, a chick, there I couldn't. There's no way I can go through life without letting her know, like, hey, look what I did. Look at what you blew. Yeah. Well, you know that that's uh, that speaks to my uh, humility and arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, part of me would just never would be embarrassed to ever think that I kind of think, unfortunately, I sort of take the dominant position on that song, but that's the way it is. It's a song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and but it, it's not really about her anymore. It's about it was it was it was it's a story. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it sounds true. And, and a lot of it is. It's, yeah. it's horrible. That's a cop out. It is. Well, no, it's no. it's it's no, like it's... you said before. It's, Chip and I are both stand up comics, so it's yeah. it's the yeah. same thing. Writing a joke. It's you you take you take something that happened to you. You take a kernel of truth, and mm-hmm. then you you craft around it. Yeah. And, and but the that... feeling was real and is real. I was devastated. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I saw that was it going to work out and. It was probably, I look back, it was probably my real first, like, love. Because I was probably, to borrow a phrase from Stevie Nicks, like, on the edge of, it was between 16 and 17, where you got the motor working downstairs. Yeah. And now, <laughs> it, the one here is working, and now this thing joins it, right? So, um, I'm, I'm alluding to my heart. And um, so, it was, like, one of the first ones, like, oh, man, this, you know, I was lovesick for a second, you know. I remember, it did I don't know how old you guys are, but we used to have to wait for a phone call. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the worst the phone rang, you know, you wanted it and then you didn't want it, you know, but, uh, so that's the kind of place that put me for, you know, a month, maybe like that. And man, I hope she's doing great and has a, a beautiful life. Great. Kids. Yeah. Cause there is something about, like you said, just that emotion. It's like, you know, Ken and I are both married. We're adults. Like you I, guys married. I, 
Uh, not not to each other. Not yet. No, oh, not yet. No, to to, uh, <laughs> to separate ladies. And uh, say that explain the separate rooms and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, if we were married, we would definitely be in separate rooms right now. We uh, we it would it wouldn't last. Um, but but no, because it's like I love my wife and it's like but we have uh, hopefully a mature relationship and it's like we have our everyday lives. But there's something about that being 17, like that rom- romanticized version of love of what you think it's supposed to be is I think it's just so much more visceral than, you know, being middle-aged and waking up and, you know, going about your life. You know, I, I think, and everybody's experienced, there's nobody hasn't experienced that. Well, I mean, what other age bring, I mean, that's a, a that's a, like a, you go back to that age, like even at 54 or 44, or 34 or 74, it's so intense, you know? And, and I, I have, I have two kids in their twenties. So, and I watched them go through that and I watched like just the utter pain, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of uh, missed opportunities. Or, but, you know, it, but then it just goes away. Right. But uh, it really is a strong feeling at that age. It, yeah. You no, know, it is. Made, you know? Yeah. And 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 the, and the and it, you know, it's strong when you could tap into it all these years later. Dude, people are walking around buying boats and shit to 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 make up for feeling like uh they couldn't afford something when they were kids or they right. didn't get the girl I, yeah. I, I mean they're, they're 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 buying expensive guitars and working great jobs and and uh and you know and it, it never ends you know we're all chasing that uh that for those formative years in some ways you know hopefully we can mine it you know and and, and move on and evolve which is been my goal. So I'm, I'm about 23 years old now. I might. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's a little love affair. Uh, gone by. And how's the, uh, how's the response been to the new album? Well, you know, when you say people go, Hey, uh, you should make a record or you should do this. And then you make a, you make a record. Then they go, who's going to buy a record. <laughs> it's like, um, uh, you know, you should, you're really talented. You should be on stage. Okay. I'm a professional musician. Where are you going to be a professional musician? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's that, you know, people love to do that. Right. You yeah. know, like, and so, uh, the, the answer is it's been really great. The, uh, the, um, the reaction, I, I sold a lot of hard copies of CDs. Uh, it looks like you've gotten 30, at least 30. Of them. Yeah. Uh, they're right here, uh, in the, in the case <laughs> section. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I tell people, I know it's a pain in the ass to actually reach over and push a CD into the, if you still have a slot, that's the biggest problem. Right. But it's, it's, it's still, it still sounds 10 times better than an MP3 or something on that's streaming. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I stream, don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I tell people, listen, if you want it for an autograph vehicle, cause I sign every copy when I buy it, that's the, it's great. The artwork's great. But like, if you have, if you're in your car and you start with CD player or you get, or you, it's in your st- stereo, it's, it's mixed to a certain degree of um, it's mixed for listening, you know? And uh, uh, so I've, I, I was really surprised by how many people bought it. And, and, uh, and the funny thing is I made a, another record, my first record in 1998. I still have some copies and I sell it on, on my website. And like two days later, I was seeing a lot of repeat business from people coming back and, buying the other one. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
And, um, and I was like, oh, okay. So that means they're listening to it and they like the music. And so, and then because of social media, people are very, um, nobody has called me and says it sucks. So um, <laughs> I'm sure there are people that say that or just bought it and didn't listen to it, but um, it's not my problem. Uh, yeah, I, that'd be that'd be ballsy if someone called you to tell you it sucked. Well, dude, uh, we have these things in, in the business is in um and in, in bands, and I'm sure they have it for actors or you know like Comic Con. You know, <laughs> we have our own version of those people that that are, are music fans, and they're very a lot of times they're really flat. They're like. You know, especially if they're from uh, Germany or something, they're like, your last song was not so good. <laughs> I prefer to hear you in the background. <laughs> but you do, do, people do tell you, they will say, you know, sometimes you'll get some underhand criticism. I don't mind criticism, um, especially if it's funny. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. Well, I, as, as comedians, uh, nobody hesitates to tell you if they think that you sucked. Right. There's yeah. absolutely, nobody's ever concerned with hurting your feelings. And, and you know what, it, I mean, obviously there's awful people out there too, but sometimes when I get criticism and what you were talking about, sometimes when people were flat or they tell you that, oh, I didn't like this song as much or whatever. I feel like sometimes, especially with social media, people can connect with you a lot more than they used to, obviously. Yes. And I think it's sometimes it's my quote unquote bigger fans that give me like that criticism because they want to feel a part of it. Like it's like they, they're they like, well, well, we're buddies. Right. So I can be honest with you and tell you this joke wasn't good as your last one. Oh. You know, so, so they just it's almost like they almost want that conversation and they they want to feel a part of it a part of the process, even though they're just taking it in, they, they want to just feel part of the game. I think sometimes when they uh, give you that criticism. Yeah. It's like me getting mad at the Knicks or, 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 or right. Cincinnati Regiment. We have some form of ownership is I've been, man, I, I really got better at accepting that because we need, we need those people, you know, they're, it's important because they're, they were the original influencers. You know, they would tell everybody at their work or, or, or whatever and uh, about this guy or, or this band or something. And that's how it used to work. And and sometimes you just got to take it. You know, it's OK. If somebody trolls me and, and claps at me a little bit on something, I get that. But I'm 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 pretty verbal, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that relates to tweeting and stuff like that. So um, usually if I just either stomp on it or or, or own it. Sometimes mm-hmm. you gotta own it. Yeah, yeah, not great, but you know that's it's my thing. There's other people. I just try to be as honest as possible, and, and you know what happens? They usually just move on. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't, you know, I know people. I know a lot of people in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they free tickets and they'll do anything for me. <laughs> um. You mentioned so, uh, Chip. The way the way that we found Jeff. Jeff and I have a very good friend in common uh, named Sammy Steinlight. This this guy I went to. I've no. We went to kindergarten together, and from kindergarten all through high school. Um. So Sammy pointed me in in Jeff's direction, but Sammy told me that I had to ask you about. Um, uh, subbing for Paul Schaefer on Letterman because you just mentioned the Cincinnati Reds yeah. and uh, Pete Rose oh, being yeah. the guest. Um, yeah. So I, like I said, I moved here from from Ohio, and uh, I, we all are people of a certain age. 
Letterman was the biggest show in the world to me, probably to you, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, we all think we know music. We all think we know comedy, right? Both, all three of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Fucking experts on both of them, right? Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I used to watch the greatest comics in, in who in their twenties and thirties, right, and forties, uh, come up on Letterman and do their bit, and then Letterman was in. It was my favorite show. The mm-hmm. band was smoking. I, I love Paul. I didn't, you know. Paul was just, he was in on the joke. That was a great thing yeah. about that show. They made fun of show business. I mean, later on, it kind of became show busy, ironically. But, um, but, but Paul, besides being like a character, could really play the ham in Oregon and had this great band of, of just like New York's best band, you know, studio band. And so it was so funky, man. And they were, it was just like, that was New York City to me. Saturday Night Live, um, uh, Letterman, and Son of Sam. That was, <laughs> <laughs> represent that all was good for New York. And yeah. uh, but seriously, I was that kid listening to Car- watching Carson, and and then uh, and then you know listening to Dave like with the TV. The, the, the portable TV in my room shut down, but with the audio on. So long story short, I'm sorry. I get here. I kind of make a splash being like a side man and, um, and a musical director, but being just like quick on my feet. And I knew a lot of songs, uh, at, at period. Uh, uh, that comes easy to me. I can remember what I hear and I'm a fan of music. So, and I, so I investigate it and I don't know. Um, Paul got sick. And I had played a, I had gone to see somebody the night before, and I'm sure they tried out two other three people. Like, can you step for Paul? But they're the usual people. And nobody could do it. And um, they called me. And so I ended up doing it like five or six times. And so, uh, but the first time, I, I don't know if it's the first time, but one time I did it, uh, you were saying, uh, Pete Rose, who I'm a, that's my all time favorite sports guy, he was a guest. I said, who's the guest? And, um, I said, Pete Rose. And I'm like, my <laughs> worlds are colliding. I mean, I had done all right. I, I, and I was on the rise. I was pretty hot as far as a side man and playing with people. But I, to me, I had officially made it now. I was going to go on the Letterman show. I th- always started going to the Letterman show as a, in a musical act. Right. And, um, and I did have that confidence, but, um, and fear, by the way, that it would yeah. happen. But um, I didn't think it would be for that. And, and so I said, I'm, I'm sitting there at Paul's station. It's like you're in suspenders and you're like in Larry King's seat or something. Like that. <laughs> it's like I'm looking at it and, and I've got Will Lee, like the greatest bass player in the world, the most famous. And mm-hmm. look at the band, the audience, I'm at Ed F and Sullivan theater. And the only guy who has a gap in his teeth, Aside from mine, Stephen Letterman's over there, and, and guess what? I'm totally prepared for the job. I, I, I just I knew that gig inside and out, so I was real comfortable. And um, and so so I said, "Who's the first guest? Who's the guest?" Because I knew I had to come up with a theme. You know, when they when the the guest comes on, you got to play some music that's hopefully germane to their kind of you know their name or what they do. And it was, and I knew they said Pete Rose. I was like, "What?" 
anyway, so I I, I chose the hustle. Charlie Hustle, yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say the gambler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Gambler. That's for Phil Mickelson. <laughs> and, and and so what what year was this? Would you say like w- roughly? Two thousand and three, maybe. Okay. It was crazy because then I went on the road with Bon Jovi for a couple of years, and then yeah. uh, you know now I was getting it, uh, you know, printed up in the hometown newspaper. And I was, <laughs> you talk about people calling. People start calling me that I hadn't heard from in twenty years. Because oh sure, if they see you on TV. The TV, as they say. Yes. Uh, if they see you on TV, then you've made it. Yeah. Although I had had like 10 years of, had a house in New York City and, and this incredible basement was built on the sweat of my uh, town. <laughs> For real. Uh, it was amazing. I did that show and um, that night I came home and I watched it, you know, on TV and my wife and I were sitting there. I had tears in my eyes. The whole deal. It was that. It was that. It was that strong, you know. And um, in that night, at like twelve thirty six or whatever, after it goes, the the phone started ringing. Dude. <laughs> and one other story. And you talk about like show business and what makes you tick. And and it's usually the fear of failure. And you know, but you like it. You know, something. You know, to touch the stove of, of that. And, and uh, uh, my mom didn't call me. And I was like, what, what, what's the deal? And so I waited another day. She didn't call me. And uh, all right, now, you know, I really haven't searched her affirmation, but I was just on national TV in my dream gig <laughs> as a sub. And, um, and so, so finally, after three days, I called her and I said, hey, uh, did you happen to see the David Letterman show? And she says, Jeffrey, she was from Kentucky. My friend said, you're wonderful. And I said, okay, all right. Already a little good, uh, you know, passive aggressiveness working with mom. And, uh, and I said, well, did you see it? Yes, I did. You were, you were very, it was very entertaining. The show was entertaining. I said, oh, I said, well, what do you think? And she goes, have you thought about teaching? Oh man! I thought you were gonna say she watched Leno or something. Ah, that would have even hurt more. <laughs> that David Duchovny was on Leno. Yeah, that's yeah, I, yeah. no. It was just brilliant. It was because she was so. She was, you know, she grew up in the depression, the oldest of ten kids, and show business. She'd seen me do okay in it, but it, it still was like, well, that, that's it's not going to get any better than that. It's all downhill. <laughs> that story cut me that story cut me deeper than the song Tracy I'm going to tell you right now well but you know what I knew as you guys know because you guys are comedians I was like that's a fucking instant class yes yeah yes. yeah I, I was at I was at um my mom's birthday party once like just a few years ago and all of her friends all of her friends introduced themselves to me and they were like oh you're you're the comedian right I said yeah <laughs> and they said oh Oh, we, 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 we really like to come to a show. You have to let us know when, when you're playing near us. And right away, my mom jumps in with, so he's not ha ha funny. (laughs) (laughs) She said, but he'll say some things that make you think. And I was like, thanks. I, but you were right. I immediately recognized that that was maybe the funniest thing she could have said. 
in that yeah, like it, I, it cut but it was funnier than than any affirmation i could have gotten it's so funny that the people that know you the best don't know you at all a little bit so, yeah i mean my I, I had a very close relationship with my parents till the day they both passed away but um there were some things they just couldn't get and, and i kind of recognized that in my own I, although we had kind of a more open communication with my own kids but sometimes i'm like yeah i just gotta step back and so mm-hmm. it's going well or not my problem you know? now fr- from that town in ohio uh what what brought you to the east coast then oh man just it was either la or new york city i had no mm-hmm. desire to go to at the time nashville was a country music town but i, I didn't want to go to nashville yeah. still don't <laughs> um i mean there's probably wor- a lot of work there for me you know but i i i i love i i really I was a big reader as a kid and I, and I like movies and I, you know, any, any, any time there were guys like talking like that in black and white, there were always in New York and the hustle and bustle and uh, the Macy's day parade and all that shit. And I bought mm-hmm. into it, but I did know that's where, you know, I read every book about like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jack Parr, or all the, you know, yeah. old show business. I still love. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love the idea of New York City. I love the fact that they people take shows or or Sinatra would do a show and then they'd end up drinking at Jack Dempsey's or something. You know, I I was just into that. And I was into the architecture and, and, and the writing that came out of New York. I was a, a big reader of, of the Village Voice and the New Yorker and Downbeat. And I I had this kind of edge in, in Lima, Ohio. And I knew that I that might be a good fit for me in New York. So mm-hmm. I got my wife in Cincinnati after college, worked a couple of years there, saved some money and came here and uh, I found a place in Queens, you know, in Astoria. And how do you hook up with Southside? Uh, I became like, very shortly, I, I started sitting in like on Bleecker Street and, and stuff like that and answering ads in the, in the voice. <laughs> Not all the ads. <laughs> uh I remember having to put put another magazine over the Village Voice while I read it in the public library in Lima, Ohio. Because like, <laughs> uh, it's amazing you even get it out there. I wouldn't have even known that you can get it outside of New York. Yeah, that's a very uh, New Jersey uh, thing to say. <laughs> you know, believe that we had plumbing. No, no, I, I honestly just thought it was like a local rag that you just, you know, like every town's got there. No, there's, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm kidding around yeah. you, but there is sort of that thing where you just accept that it's like the local newspapers, you know, I mean, right. like you get used to the largesse of, of, or the, 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 the largeness, I should say, of, of uh, New York City and, and the, the area. But yeah, so. Listen, not a lot of people had the Village Voice, but the public yeah. library had it, and mm-hmm. um, and I was I was I would go there in that reading room and read all the uh, you know the newspapers from out there, you know, and uh, that's the, so. Anyway, long story short is that I uh, I just started making the scene, and within a couple of weeks, first of all, they were, "Do you have a car?" I was like, "Yeah, all right, we'll hire you." Yeah, you, yeah. Now, have you ever been to Montclair, New Jersey? Have you ever been to Bloomfield? Have you ever been to Levittown? You know, so I started doing like weddings and stuff because um, I knew songs I could sing. And then pretty soon I was making some pretty good money because I was, you know, I real comfortable in front of people. But I did that for a couple of years. And, and, I, and then through the week, I was playing original music and 
and sitting in with like jazz guys and, 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 and blues bands and stuff and just trying to make a name. And, and, and in short, somebody said, hey, you should meet this guy, Rusty Cloud. That's a guy who played keyboards in the Southside Johnny uh, band. He's, he's kind of thinking about quitting. So I went and sat in with him and he immediately said, hey, would you ever want to sub on this Southside Johnny thing? And I knew Southside Johnny was because a real rock and roll junkie. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I knew Bruce and all that stuff. But, um, and I remember seeing a Southside Johnny video on MTV, you know, and I'd always heard his name. He was obviously not, didn't have the stature commercially as Bruce or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I got the gig. I, I started subbing for him. And within two months, the guy's like, I'm done. Became my gig. But the first gig I ever did, I went down to Tradewinds down in uh, Seabright. Mm-hmm. That was my first gig. No rehearsal. I'm the first guy there. You know, I'm sitting there on stage <laughs> behind a keyboard, set my own shit up. And, um, and this guy comes in at Southside Johnny. What do you know? Do you know the introduction? He's, he's kind of kind of hard scrabble. You know, he's like a little rough around the edges. Play the intros. And he said like three or four songs. I played them. He said, all right. Then we did a sound check. And then we went for um, a pre-game barbecue at John Bon Jovi's house. <laughs> Oh, Who at the time was the biggest rock star in the world, you know, yeah. one of them. Yeah. I mean, not that he is it now, but I mean, he was, they were, oh. it was, um, it's my life era. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Yeah. A little bit before that, but big, big, yeah. big. And, um, and then that night, John Bon Jovi sat in with us and little Steven showed up and played my first gig. Oh, wow. The oh, founder of the Jukes, you know, co-founder, little Steven. Yeah. Who who had been nowhere for a couple of years, kind of I, I say nowhere, just kind of in the hinterlands. Bruce wasn't touring, and next thing you know, Bruce got the band back together, and then uh, he was Silvio on, on Sopranos. Yes. He was hot as hell. So uh, that was my first gig. I, I had a little lucky. I had a, a horseshoe on my first couple gigs like that. You know? That's amazing. I would almost want. Like, it's almost like, oh, where, where do you go from here? Like, how do you get, <laughs> I would almost want to build up to something like that, but you're well, right out the gate. Yeah. Baptism by fire right there. I've had a zealot like life very quietly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the, the Pete Rose thing, this thing, you know, it, it, it's a million things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm a million, it's dozens of things like that. And that's the fun part. I mean, that those are the, the easily told things, but to actually become friends and to play music with, with people, you know, uh, that were around those people. That's, that, that was the success. Yeah. Especially when, when you're, you start this because you're such a fan, I would imagine <laughs> it's this, you know, like we got into comedy cause we're huge fans of comedy. And then all of a sudden you're at it for a long time and all your friends are people that you used to watch on TV and look up to. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there is a part that's like, like, wow, that's, this is still so cool. Like I never lose that novelty. Don't you think the great comics still feel that way? I mean, when they get around, they start talking about comedy. Yeah. And they start talking about their idols. Right. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. It's- I don't trust anybody that, is not a fan of their own craft and it, it happens. People get big and they get in a, a closed room, a bubble mm-hmm. with comedians or um, actors or musicians. And, and they don't, they, they, they cease to be fans, you know, 
I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah. And you see that. And then there's a level of fame and success and, and money, of course. And then, like you said, that bubble, it's like, they're not regular people anymore. They're not, they're not as relatable. I mean, some people can be obviously brilliant, but there's a lot of people who just get that stature. And then I feel like their work suffers a lot. That, that's, that's the only reason Ken and I haven't gotten rich and famous is because we want to stay true to our craft. I, I, I think that's, that's yeah. the only, that's the Keep only, real. yeah. <laughs> it's the only yeah. thing holding us back. Yeah. That's, that's it right there. Well, if, if, if this was a, a video podcast, I don't know what they call, I guess they call that television. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could see this glorious mansion basement, my mansion over here, <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've really made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but seriously, it, it all comes down to the work. It's it's a cliche. Um, I'm not famous. I, I'm famous to some people, but I, I made a, a, a life in a hotbed of, uh, of I'm, music and competitive, you know, and so I've really got to have some fun times and challenging times. I'm, I'm sure if present you sat down with 17-year-old you and said, this is the career you're going to have. No way. You wouldn't have believed it, right? Pick a year. <laughs> I, 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 seriously, I, I could say pick 2004, pick 2017. It's just, I've been blessed with that. Whether I made a lot of money that year or I didn't make any or, you know, it's an up and down career. But I was always scared of failure. So I socked away anytime I had a, a windfall. I socked it away. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife would have moved to Northern Jersey 15 years ago, but I won't let her. You know, like, no, <laughs> stand here where there's no yard. <laughs> anyway. um, now, and, and with your, your kid, what would, what is your instrument? If you, if somebody asks you, is it, is it keyboards? Is it pianos? Is it organ? Yeah. What is, what, which, which one is piano. yours? Piano. Yeah. yeah that's, that's my uh, boyhood piano from my home. Is That's it? so oh, cool. That's great. After my parents passed. I didn't, there was barely anything. There were a couple of amps because my father was a guitarist and, and really mm -hmm. good. And I just wanted the piano, really. Yeah. You know, that's like Rosebud. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really use it. I haven't tuned it since I had it, but man, it, it feels like, you know. That would be, if, if I could play any instrument, like if I, we always, like if I had any musical talent whatsoever, I I would be doing what you do. I wouldn't be a comedian. And if I if I could play anything, like if you told me, like if I could take a pill and be proficient at one instrument, it would be the piano. Yeah. Well, you can take a, a pill and feel you're proficient. <laughs> <laughs> There's some hope for you. Uh, you know what? I was that kid where um, I had a musical family. It, we were. It came easily for us to a certain degree. But I, mean, I had a brother, he's passed on, but he was eight years older than me and he was a monster piano player. So it was very intimidating. So I got into sports and I, I wasn't great, but uh, I got into sports and kind of developed a, an alter, and a, just a different personality and stuff. But we took classical piano lessons. My, I grew up in a very Baptist family and my dad was like the, the, the choir director. So we were enslaved. I mean, uh, volunteer, <laughs> uh, play the piano. So you'd, you'd play behind preachers and stuff. And um, that that really led me to be able to riff with like lead singers and, and, and the job I have now with, with Southside Johnny because he, 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 he tells stories and he go, you know, so you have to kind of color him a little bit. 
And it also showed me that the show business is in, in religion as it is in show business. So, um, yeah, but there's also sincerity in both of those things. So, um, I forgot what the question was, but yeah, that, I, I had a, a very, uh, piano with my mom was so scared of being labeled a hillbilly because they had moved up from um from kentucky and they were both educated but they still had a draw and believe it or not people in ohio were calling people from kentucky hillbillies (laughs) and uh and uh my mom was just terrified about that you know i get that's why that story is so important from the beginning because she was like you know uh she was so scared of just you know I, I guess me just turned out to be an idiot or something but uh so she got us into classical piano lessons and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh we did it and it sort of came easily and um that's it i don't even i think i, I lost the question but um well no and no that, that was great and now when you're when you're playing i know you you know it's like you're the band leader too like that how does that play into it too is that something that you really trained yourself on or does that just come with the gig that you've learned how to, and, and what exactly does that look like being the band leader? Are you, are you really directing? Are you are people looking at you? How does that work? Well, the, the first thing is somebody has to start the songs and in the songs sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And with John Southside, John, if you've ever seen him, it's not just about playing songs. It's about, he riffs and he tells stories. If somebody dies that day or the day before, he'll say, let's play a song from their catalog or something. And he might not tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Or he might just be singing something. Or he might run about out of an idea. And I just say, bing, like sort of how we're doing here, you know? Yeah. Uh, we just jump off each other. Um, and I don't mean that like in a Madison Cawthorn kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> So anything that's said on the show, it's really keep the show with in this particular case mm-hmm. is to keep the, the show running. Now, when the show's not running, I'm the guy that says, okay, John, what songs are we going to do for the stone pony? This, we, we always add a couple of new songs. Uh, do we need a bigger band? Uh, so I'll rehearse the band. I'll write the charts out or tell the horn guys to write their charts, you know, arrange it with those guys or whatever, uh, whatever it takes. And, and uh, that's that's what a band leader does in, uh, um, in, in, in this particular case. Mm-hmm. Do, you, so, do you enjoy doing that or would uh, you rather? Yeah. It, yeah. I wish. I mean, at this point, the Jukes is like a family band of me right now. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, God, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, because um, it's a family band. I've been in it since 1998. Everyone's literally raised kids. I, I raised my kids that used to bring them. They grew up two, three years old. They used to introduce the band to the people when they were six or seven. Oh, wow. People still come up and go, where are the girls? I'm like, they're, they're out behind the shed getting high. (laughs) (laughs) But They're through college and they have, they have jobs. And, and, um, and sometimes they they bring them to a show or something. They still, they still love to come to shows and things like that. Oh, that's great. They grew up on stage and behind stage. So. But it is like a family band, the Jukes, the Asbury Jukes, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, we like like it. And we've taken the hits together. We've now we're in that stage where, you know, we've lost people in the band. We lost our our head roadie for like 45 years Uh at the beginning. So you have all these legendary things and and stuff like that. So, you know, it's like a family band. So sometimes it's like you can't wait to get home for Christmas. And then sometimes it's like, oh, man, I can't wait to leave Christmas. (laughs) Right. You, but love that's... you love the fans 
and we we continue to make original music mm-hmm. that keeps us fresh for the old stuff. Right. I think that's important. I mean, not that I'm a musician, but I, I do think that's like, I think when you just rest on your laurels, like if you do what the who does, you know, and, and they've, they're just playing, not that those songs aren't great, not that you don't want to hear them, but it does seem like they're going through the motions. Like I always respected the stones so much because one time in a 60 year career, did they tour like without a new album, their 40th anniversary, they went out on tour and that was their first time not touring a new album. Which was that? That was the four. It was the 40 licks tour. Uh, oh, when, yeah, 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 that that was just them. They put out a, a double greatest hits album and they toured celebrating uh, 40 yeah. years. But every other tour besides that had a, a new album behind it, which yeah. when, when you think about a 50 or 60 career, a 60 year career, that's it's mind blowing. Well, you know, it's funny to that to that point it's like comedians they got it like really successful comics they 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 have some things they just gotta you know they gotta close with or they gotta get to it and uh the civilians are waiting for them to get there and but so they gotta break out new jokes and and yeah. stuff like that. And obviously they do it sometimes on other people's you know on, on late night sets or, or or but um it's really that's a challenging part for existing acts that have legacies. Like we're not huge, 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 uh, but we, ha- we do have a not, we have, we've had a nice career. There's Southside Johnny. It's, it's a, there's a, it's a brand and there's a certain region where we're pretty big, you know? And, um, but even then when we, when we play new songs, it's like, you know, you can see people like, Oh, yeah. you see him heading for the, the bathroom and, but I do think to to what you said before, it's it's important for you, like to keep you fresh and to keep you on your toes. And then that's going to make the other songs that you've played 20 million times sound fresh and exciting. You're absolutely yeah. right. And to that degree, we're a type of band that people sort of expect that. Right. And that's the same thing with like bands like, I mean, we're sort of related to jam bands in a way because people kind of want to see us shake it up. Mm-hmm. They, they still, they want to hit these points, but they're still like, yeah, what's he going to do? Or, or it could even be a deep cut or something like that of our own stuff or, or something new. But there's a whole generation of listeners that, that grew up with jam bands and, you know, and, and so they're a little more open and, and um, and they can also go see a band that what they know they're going to get the same 15 songs. And sometimes that's nice. Right. That's the who or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, um, I guess I'm that way to a certain degree. I don't like long shows and I'm in a band that plays ridiculously long shows. Do you? Yeah. I used to love when my favorite band would play three hours. But I've I've as I've gotten older, I've been like, all right, like, come on, let's people got shit to do. Let's wrap it up. I, we went to we were in um, Helsinki. Um, the Jukes were and we had the night off in Helsinki and on our night off, Bruce Springsteen was playing uh, like Olympic Stadium or something, whatever the stadium is in Helsinki. And we got invited to come as guests just to just to watch mm-hmm. and we came 
in like a like a sprinter van you know the uber had been invented it's not that long ago maybe 10 years i don't know some nerd will know the deep the, the time right now but uh we, so we go there and we're watching it and it's like an hour and a half and i'm like starting to get a little shifty and then like two hours i, I sit literally sit down on the on the on the turf and um he proceeds to play four hours the longest show you've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> and my boss uh, Southside johnny is like the he's impatient i mean he's that guy that would swim halfway across the atlantic and get impatient and swim back. You know? <laughs> He's that guy. And we and we were miserable. Everybody goes, Oh, you saw a legendary show. We we're like, four hours. Yeah. 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 Colin Quinn has a great joke about that in one of his specials, how Springsteen really isn't a friend to the working man. <laughs> he was like, if because if you were, you wouldn't play for four hours on a Tuesday. So the, the, this plumber from Rokonkoma has to That's has right. to be up at six in the morning. Like, all right, it's ten o'clock. People got jobs to get to. I agree. I told Brian, I was like, well, minutes is enough. If they really clap and let's keep playing, or if you're inspired, you know. Yeah. But, as I like to say, the first ninety is is great, and the next hour is is just you know your work at your it's it's unpaid psychiatry <laughs> therapy that you're looking for mommy or something. I think so, uh, but that's just how I feel. Although when I'm in a moment, you know, sometimes it goes really quickly, and I never mail it in. I'm always present with this. I that's that's the one thing I can say about myself that I would brag about. I'm always present when I, when I'm performing and play. Yeah. I, you know, Oh, do I look at a, a sports? Do, do I check a, a baseball score or something? I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> that inspires you though. That's what it is. I do that too on stage. Sometimes I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, I know these people think that I'm checking my notes, but I have money on the Knicks. Yeah, <laughs> you've lost your money. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see how much I've lost. One time we were playing at BB King's in uh, uh, in Manhattan on 42nd Street. It's mm -hmm. no longer. We played there probably 60 times, and uh, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. And um, this year was incredible because they went to the Super Bowl. But uh, the previous 40 years, not so much. Yeah. You know? uh, Anyway, so they, they had a great team about three or four years ago, and they were playing at the same time we were playing in the, in the playoffs against the Steelers. And I couldn't look at my – it was just – I. but my kids were at the show, and they, they would walk up to the stage and give the hand. They were giving scores to our rodeo. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> the rodeo come over. And the, so uh, it, 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 it was almost at the end of the game, and, and, the, and, and Johnny's like, should we do another one? I'm like, No. <laughs> And I was like, all right, good night, everybody. I literally told my family, you're on your own. And I ran across <laughs> to, um, uh, not Chili's, what's the other, uh, Applebee's. Yeah, There's yeah. an Applebee's. Who the fuck would go to Applebee's on 42nd Street? Anyway, Idiot, uh, dummies. Me, I guess. <laughs> so I go up there. I get up there, and and I and I watch the Bengals melt down in the last minute and a half uh, <laughs> over penalties, personal uh, uh, rough, up, you know, roughness. And, yeah. And Ben Roethlisberger. Oh yes, yeah, I remember that game. It was the biggest meltdown, and people were buy, wanted to buy me drinks. They're like, "Hey, you're you're a Bengals fan. You're going to do it, you guys." Said, no, 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 you don't know these guys. Chill out. <laughs> 
it's like the Jets or the Mets kind yeah. of, you know, like, yeah. uh-uh, no, no. Anyway, but yeah, sometimes I'm thinking about those stuff, but for the most part, I, I'm extremely present. I don't fuck around with music. I, it's, I love it. I mean, I just, it, it shows. So I went down, um, I went down a YouTube wormhole of your, of you performing uh, a lot of the shows at, um, uh, let me Rockwood Music Hall in the city. Oh, yeah. And um, that's a great venue. Love it. And um, they were doing pop up comedy shows for a while. That's where I think that's where the stand had their pop up location before they relocated. And uh, there are dozens of videos of you covering all sorts of amazing songs. Um, my absolute favorite thing that I saw you do was uh, you have like a trio, right? That you yeah. play with. And you did a version of um, Neil Young, Don't Let It Bring You Down. Nine minute version. And one of my favorite Neil Young songs, that 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 album that that's off of, um, was that after the gold rush? I think that's that to me, that's as close as he came to making a, a perfect album. But the version of that is, I think I sent it to you, Chip. It's like nine yep. minutes. It's so good. And I kept. Yeah. No, no singing. It's no, I kept. Well, yeah, that's what you. So I kept waiting for the vocals to kick in. And, you know, the first three or four minutes and I was like, this sounds really good. But when's this dude going to start singing? That's right. And then, you know, five, six. And then there was like, finally, it got to a point where I was like, oh, this is just an instrumental. And it's maybe the best instrumental I've ever heard. And it's it, and it you you start. It's very faithful. And then it sort of breaks down into like a jazzy jam. And then you bring it back to the end of the song. Um, it, it was amazing. I've, I've probably watched it 10 times. Thank you. I, I think Neil Young's, I, I like, I have a lot of interests and I just try to follow them. And, and hopefully me, me, hopefully I'm the threat. People are like, what's the threat? Well, I'm the threat. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and, and so, uh, I just, I put a lot of faith in, like, I like playing at that place, Rockwood. I can always fill it. So I'm not really stressed out about selling tickets. It's small. It's mm-hmm. about two people, and it sells out quickly. And they're friendly. They're they're, they're fans. They they're they're open for that because I've done enough shows there, you know. So I can break out new material, or I can just be inspired, or and and I talk as well. As you yeah, saw. yeah. There's a dude that films all the uh, all the YouTubes. Well, I see, I've seen two different, so I see Sammy, I see Sammy Steinlight's name on a lot of the videos. Well, he he does a few. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, I saw, I did, I forget what the name was, but I did see. There's a guy named Scott Gibson who films, he does it, not just for anybody he likes. So he'll get the whole Wilco show. He'll get uh, Tedeschian Trucks. Yeah. He'll get Neil Young. And he's just, a, he's, he owns a furniture store or something like that. He's, <laughs> and he's just a really, he shows up and, and but, I, and I've become friends with him, like friendly. I am friends with him, but uh, as I became friendly with him, I'm like, Hey man, you gotta cut the, you gotta cut the talking out. Because <laughs> yeah. like, if you go see some of these, it's like, cause I always preface it. And then I kind of go back and forth with the audience. I'm like, it just started the music, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it works on the show, but not so much on the YouTube, I don't think. But. So I saw you do, um, you did 
the cars. You did my best friend's girl and just what I needed, but you did them like Springsteen songs. I did. You yeah. did them in the style. So it was like if Bruce Springsteen had written these songs, and I'm just curious how you came, how you even came upon that idea. Like, was there some, because I've, I'm sure Chip, you too. Like I've heard songs where you're like, Oh, you know who should cover that? Like, you know who that would be perfect for? Yeah. It, 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 how did you even think to to turn this Cars song into a Springsteen song? And, and once you explained what you were doing and then you hear 10 seconds of it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that sounds exactly like that's what that is. Well, sometimes because it's a record, it's a pop record, it's it's so it's like we're used to the how it was delivered right we're used to like the synth part and the, the great riff and then it's not necessarily a song although as we get older we recognize songs more and they could always write great songs and that was my kind of thing to say uh, you know bruce and dylan are kind of like the benchmark of like, that's a songwriter you know and you can play that on acoustic guitar and stuff well you can do that with best friend's girlfriend believe it or not or whatever the other song was uh what was the other one? I think it was just what I just needed. Just what I needed. I needed. Yeah. So I think Rick Ocasek had just died. And, um, of course, you know, I saw that as a uh, opportunity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, just but seriously, I love lionizing my uh, uh, my favorite things. And so I, I think I just gave it a Bruce treatment. I don't know what made me do that, but I could just hear Bruce going, she's my best friend's girl. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you can say she's my best friend's girl. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, I was kind of doing my version of that, not really imitating Bruce, but like uh, I was envisioning that. Yeah, because uh, Bruce has the ability to really make things intimate. You know, it, we love it. I, mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of people love it. But then sometimes you know he's pissing off like Joe Sixpack. Like, come on, sing it the right way. You know, and at Sometimes they're right, but I don't know. That's just part of the the bit at, at the at uh, those shows. That I I just kind of I like to sing sad songs, happy, uh, fast songs, slow, slow mm -hmm. sing, songs, mm -hmm. fast. Uh, there's a bit of contrarianism, I guess. It's, I hope it's not show off because it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be inspired, you know. Well, no, it's it's your own take, and it's you know when people cover other people sometimes i'm disappointed when they try to do it note for note and beat for beat it's like it sounds just like the original it's like well then why did you do it just play that record like let's yeah. let's put in interesting but you did um didn't you do uh jesus etc i think from wilco like wilco is one of my favorite and like it's such a great take on that on that song i mean it's pretty faithful to it but it's just you know it was like i had gone to see wilco they're like my prop them and petty the bands i always say i would move to either chicago or, or los angeles to to i would actually move to join right them. you know you know what i mean it's like big fans and i would i pay for i never call people to go to get tickets for that or anything mm -hmm. i i get my seats and then my daughter's like dad we gotta go see wilco they're coming in town so i went to with my daughter and it just blew me away. I saw him up. There's a theater up in northern Manhattan. I forget what it's called. Uh, just the tip of Manhattan. And United Palace. They did a few nights recently. Mm -hmm. Can you hear the sirens? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. No, I love it. It's so yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
like Mark Maron's uh, uh, leaf blower neighbor. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, and anyway, long story short, I came home and the next day I was just sitting around and I go, I've never learned how to play Jesus, etc. on the, on the, I never sang it. Yeah. So I kind of sat down. I, I got the lyrics. I'm just, uh, and I just kind of play it on the piano. Then I go, I know, open a computer, press record, and just got the dumbest beat, like on a like a like a ro- you know robot drum machine kind of mm-hmm. thing. And um, doesn't sound like drums; it sounds like a, a drum machine. Yeah, I just wanted it sparse. So, yeah. and then I sang it, and I added piano and something else, and maybe a little another treatment. And I, I didn't tune it. I didn't take three takes. I took two takes. Got a comp, and I put it on YouTube. That's it. So um, that was almost like a craft for me. It's almost like I, I, I made like a macrame uh, plant holder or something. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's uh, I love songs and I can't sing them like other people. I have a unique voice in the fact that I just like, I mean, I have an accurate voice, but I, I have these gaps in my voice. I can't, I wish I could sing like the beach boys and stuff. I'm a huge beach boys fan. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I do that. I, I, you know, um, there's certain, so, there's certain groups I could never do that. I would always love to, to do, but I, I can't do it. So I do it my own way. Yeah. And, um, words and all. I saw you did, um, uh, and I'm so upset that I missed this and didn't even know about it. You, you did, uh, I think twice you 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 performed Exile on Main Street. Yeah, that's that's like yeah, fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I went crazy with that record. Is is I'm the, I've said this a million times. It's my all time favorite record by anybody, and it's it's light years ahead of of uh anything in in my opinion like it's it's just if, if i was if i was on a desert island and allowed one record that's what i'm taking yeah, i want to be on an island with you <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how much how much fun were, was that to do i saw south side was on a lot of it yeah i i i went down to asbury park i did it there and i did i did a, a asbury park at the pony and i did it here at a place called the canal room, which mm-hmm. no longer exists, but that used to be down on a uh, Houston street, I believe in, in West, in, in West Broadway and in, in Manhattan. And I got a horn section. I got two guitars. I got a couple chick singers and, um, and we just went right down the, right down the list for that, a double record. And I sang most of it, but I had a guest or two, you know, here and there. And Johnny, I had him do tumbling dice, I believe. And, uh, and that gig, those gigs were kind of like uh, Woodstock in the fact that, uh, everybody says they were there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Woodstock actually had a lot of people there. And I had about a couple hundred at each one, yeah. which, which was fine for me. That was a lot of people for me, especially then. But now it seems like there were 2000 people, you know, yeah. I got to do it again. Uh, it's time. Yes. Uh, I was going to ask. I'm yeah. glad you said that because I was, I know we just met and I shouldn't be asking favors, but if you, could, good if you could just put that concert together for me at the stone pony again, I'd appreciate it. I, everybody always says, can I suggest a song you cover? I said, only if it's going to really make me happy. And it's a smart choice. 
and, and that's a good one. But we have talked about it because, uh, you know, we had Andy York on guitar, who's like John Mellencamp's right-hand man. You've seen him a million times. He, he, and that's he. what I am to Southside Johnny and to other people. He is to – and so he's a big Stones freak. And uh, that, that record in particular, it, it's, it's all over the map. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, it's coming off or in front. Of, I forget the, the the order, but like it, sticky fingers. Yeah, it's right it's back. it's off the heels of sticky fingers. Man, those three records are just. There's three records in a row that just like my favorite. That's my favorite. Stuff yeah, it was. Um, it went. It was actually four. It was like Beggar's Banquet, Let It yeah, Bleed, Let It Bleed, Sticky yeah. Fingers, Exile. Oh. To, that's the as good a four album stretch as ever has been done that's right and, and i'm not mick jagger or anything so I, we did them our way and, and but they mm-hmm. were faithful to the the um they had the feel and you know and uh it was a great i'd like to do that again so maybe we'll bring that down to the pony or something again okay uh, oh well, that's great it well, for me it was fun because i'm a piano player and so a lot of times like what because he's doing uh um you know, Exile Main Street. There's a lot of great piano on that album. Yeah. There's a lot of great honky tonk piano. Yeah. But you know, I got to tell you guys, I don't really think, I don't think that way when it comes to uh, performing. I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't think as a keyboard player, I think of as a song guy at, at mm-hmm. the moment. You know what I mean? But there is, there's great organ and, and, uh, and honky tonk piano on there. And, uh, and the band doesn't have a piano player, you know, so I could do anything I wanted. Yeah. Speaking speaking of the organ, what's the difference between and again, where I I know a couple of chords on guitar, we're not uh, musicians at all. What's the difference between playing piano or keyboard and the the B three organ? Like, how does the B three set itself apart? Because I I love that sound, and any anytime I hear it, it's it's amazing. Well, that that's a good. I hate saying that's a good question. I hate saying I'm just kidding, but uh, that is a good question because uh, the answer is. On a rock and roll level, it really, the tone that it produces somehow is really, is congruous with, with uh, uh, guitars and horns. It just blends in, in, in the vo- voice and you can change the sound. But it, you see guys that they have like these little draw bars and, and that changes the tone of it. So, and the other thing is it has a very loud speaker called a Leslie speaker. And then you can compete with, guitarists and horns so you get this great blend and if you use it and, and the thing about the organ is without getting too technical if you if you click a switch the the, the, the tone will go wah and if you if you it quick it hit the switch it goes wah 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 you know you know it, it, it mm-hmm. creates like this it's almost like a distortion but it's very evocative and it's all over records pink floyd used it great i mean a lot of people did bruce Bruce uses keyboards amazing. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anybody that uses keyboards more than uh, more amazingly than Bruce does. Mm-hmm. See, one guy playing piano and basically another guy playing organ. And you know, so the, I guess that's it. it it's just a re, it, it's a really um, versatile instrument. It can be a bed. Could also be a, like you know when I say a bed, it can be like a um, like a pad of, of sound or like strings almost. You know, mm-hmm. it's very warm. And then you can overdrive it and just distort. And I mean, uh, Smoke on the Water was originally a B3 riff. Oh, is that right? Played through, uh, 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 you know, distortion. Mm -hmm. They're very close sometimes. So 
but it's a, it's a different skill set. Um, and I was just, uh, I, I was addicted to the organ. When I was uh, playing the organ, nobody was playing. It was really old fashioned and it was too big and everybody was buying synthesizers. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't, I didn't have money to buy a $2,000 synthesizer. And by the way, it's sound, those synths sound like shit, you know, um, to me. And, and all the great sounds I heard were like uh, on the Hammond organ. So I started, I was that guy. And then somehow in Cincinnati, we hauled a B3 around and some stuff. And then I would be that guy like, oh, my God, look at that thing. They, they, they're carrying it. <laughs> so there was like a circus aspect of it. And when I moved to New York, I was that guy. I played vintage instruments, although I do love synths. I, I can, I, I use them, but like uh, I played electric pianos and Wurlitzers and stuff. Um, I have a garage. I live in a house in Queens and I, I have a garage and a driveway. I, I can't, I can't get my, I couldn't get a motorcycle in my garage. It's all <laughs> and, and speakers and stuff like that. But that kind of gave me a, um, when I moved to New York, it gave me an identity. So I'm still in love with the organ, man. Just uh, and the piano, and those are the two things I'm going to go down play until the day I die. Yeah, uh, I wish I could do it. I come; it's frustrating. I come from a musical family, and it just passed right over me. Like I, you I got take lessons or anything. Yeah, my well, this probably wasn't the right way to do it. My my mom would give me lessons when I was a kid. And I hated it and I wanted to quit. And it's the only thing she ever let me quit in my like any like she didn't let me quit Hebrew school. She didn't let me quit soccer. But I was like, I don't want to take these lessons anymore. She was like, okay. And I'm like, yeah. that, that, that's the one thing you should have kept on me about. Yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah she I did that. Let you quit. She was quit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she was done with you. Again. Yeah. <laughs> but my my brother can play. Like my brother can play just about any instrument by ear. Not like not like amazingly, but he can okay. he can pick it up and fumble his way through it until he figures it out. My grandfather was a band leader. I, I didn't get any of it. He bailed Billy Holiday out of prison one day. Yeah, and I I I tell dick jokes the drunks. <laughs> I, love it. I, I pay to hear them. <laughs> uh, hey, real quick, I gotta yeah. say, uh, you went to school with Sammy Steinlight. Yeah, from from kindergarten through high school. I've I've known him literally since I'm five years old. As he he looks the same. He looks exactly the same. He he's always he was always just a real solid dude. Like even back then, you were just like, "Oh, this is just a good, this is just a good kid." He never got caught up in anybody's bullshit. He was always, yeah. he was always happy. We did, um, we lost a fourth grade. I know you're a Bon Jovi guy, but I have a bone to pick with him. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grown man. <laughs> me, Sammy, and uh, Danny Meckelberg and Jared Foreman, the fourth grade talent show, dressed up as cheerleaders, full makeup, drag, called ourselves the Boogie Sisters, and performed a dance and song routine. And we came in second, and we lost to a bunch of kids that were lip-syncing to Living on a Prayer and playing the tennis rackets as guitars. So I've always I've always had a little bit of like fuck you John ever since yeah. ever since oh. the four we got robbed we were we were way ahead of the like we were we were cross dressing long before Harry Styles. Well, I, you know why you got jobbed? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, now bands actually do uh, lip sync, you know? Yeah. Some should, you know? Yes. <laughs> I always felt bad about uh, that Millie Vanilli dude who killed himself. Because yeah, I was right? like, yeah, if you just hung on 10 years, you, you it would have been the most acceptable thing. Dude was a trailblazer. The thing is, like, that's a, that's an example of life ain't fair, right? Yeah. What universe did we never think that they would be lip syncing? Not yeah. lip mm-hmm. I mean, they were like two model looking guys with the long hair and like uh, of, of uh, you know, uh, very ambiguous sexuality. And, yeah. like, and like it was totally manufactured in TV shit. And who was who was surprised that they were, you know, that they were lip syncing? But also who cared when they found out that they were it's like they took their Grammy away. Yeah. Phil, Phil Spector kept his Grammys. <laughs> he could shoot a, a chick. Yeah. Uh, Will, Will Smith. Yes. Hey, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, that, anyway, but, uh, Sammy, I met, but I, and I'll get off this because nobody cares about our personal relationships with other people. But uh, uh, I met Sammy at a Jukes gig because I, because he's a huge music fan. Yes. And he happens to be a very uh, a good PR guy for sports and yeah. entertainment. At the time, was working for Madison Square Garden. So I went out to we were, we opened for the Allman Brothers. So I'm a fan. I can hear Greg Norman play. You know, I, I just played. I don't want to see him from backstage. I've seen that. I go out to the uh, uh, where, where they mix the sound so you can get the best sound. You know, as a civilian after I, we play our set, and this guy comes up to me and it's, it's, it's Sammy Stylight and we became instant friends. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I was, I, you know, I know he's a big music guy. I see him posting, you know, like pictures with Eddie trunk and all this shit. And I've been meaning to like, just text him and be like, I have this podcast. I think you might enjoy, but I, I kept forgetting. And then I started reading, um, I was reading a book called Blood in the Garden about the 90s, oh, yeah, about yeah, the, the 90s Knicks. And Sammy's all over the book. They interviewed him for it. So he's, he's got like 10 quotes in the book. And then I was like, OK, like now I now I can't keep saying I, I'm forgetting to. And then I text him. I was like, hey, how you doing? I've, I've got this thing you might like. And right away he was like, oh, you got to talk to my buddy, Jeff. Oh, that's cool. I'm and um, it, you were great. I hope you I hope you had a good time. I had a Thank great you time. so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I just want to make sure everybody knows to go to jeffkazee.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you have any do you have any dates coming up? Any well, shows? I'm opening uh, June 2nd at City Winery for this guy. This sounds crazy, like a gimmick. But his name's Jim Boja, and he does a thing called Bruce Off-Broadway, a one-man show. He plays ukulele. Mm-hmm. It does Bruce song. It's insane. It's really Oh, that's good. great. Uh, he's a really gifted guy. So I'm playing a set like that. And then, you know, the, go to jeffkazee.com. There's all kinds of weird shows and it has my juke schedule. I'm starting to play with a, a jam band guy named uh, Steve Kimmock, who's a very gifted guitarist and famous. He was like uh, Jerry Garcia's favorite guitar player. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I'm starting to do some dates with Gavin DeGraw, the pop star. Mm-hmm. Who I've played off and on with, like recorded with, never been in his band or anything, but... I'm doing some dates with him over the next couple of months and, um, and all my other little side hustles and life is good. Uh, you know, I, I try to think of things that it, to, to interest me. And then if I go, Hmm, I think somebody else might like that. And sometimes I just put on a show, you know, yeah. whether it's 50 people or, or, you know, hopefully 500 sometimes. So 
thanks for having me. Yeah. 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 Thank, thank you. you so much. This was, this was so much fun and make sure everybody checks out. Thanks for checking in his, his album, which is uh, we've, I've had on repeat for the last uh, week or two. It's, it's been thanks, great. Man. And, and yeah. buy the CD. Don't be cheap. If you have a That's CD right. player, buy the album. I always say, thank you for saying that. Um, I, you know, uh, sometimes I get people, they say, Hey, you know, we listen to Spotify and I'm like, that's cool. Thank you. You know, for listening. I, I really do. I yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then they'll say, uh, I wish I could buy it there. And I'm like, well, buy a t-shirt, you know, yeah. uh, there's a way to mod. I don't want tips, uh, uh, you know, but like with Spotify and the streaming things, sometimes when I like a band, I just, I just tell people what I do. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm like listening, I haven't bought the record or, or the thing. I'm like, I got, so I buy a t-shirt. I go to their website, buy a t-shirt or I buy a, a, a CD for the hell of it. And uh, there's all kinds of ways to do that. But literally guys can't make records. They can make one. Yeah. But you know, it is a business and I, hopefully people come and see me live, but thanks for bringing up and uh, that purchasing is really great. You mm-hmm. know, and, um, Unless who are we kidding me? I love money. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'm, I look forward to uh, I look forward to seeing you, Sammy. Sammy yep. already told me he'll he'll bring me to uh, to the, to a show when you're around. And well, we'll do that. And we'll we'll, uh, we'll all hang. I hope. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Chip, yeah, uh, you got anything? You got anything coming up? Uh, yeah, just follow me at Chip Chantry on uh, Twitter, Instagram for uh, for all the shows. How about you, Ken? Um, Wednesday, June 15th, I'm headlining Stress Factory. Uh, Wednesday, June 29th, we're having another live show, another I Love Rock and Roll live show at The Stand in New York City, uh, 7 p.m. Jeff, if you're in New York and you're around that night, come come hang out at the show. Be my guest. I would love to. It's my birthday, by the way, June 29th. Oh, so. oh happy birthday. I would love to hear you guys. Uh, did you guys meet on the comedy circuit? Are you fr- old friends or what's the deal? Yeah, we yeah. met. We met doing shows. Yeah, probably at the Stress Factory, I think. Right. Probably. Yeah. Uh, we met doing shows and we always ended up talking about music. So mm-hmm. this, that, that's like me. That's how I met Sammy. I, mean, I want to talk sports and he wanted to talk music. Yeah. So, well, that. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Um, David Bryan's done that. David Bryan's daughter is a comedian. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm friendly with her. So I, I see I see David around at shows. And every time we get together, I'm trying to talk music to him and he's trying to talk comedy. He to said me. you those uh, those those corny jokes like like a machine gun of jokes. <laughs> David. Uh, David's a funny dude, uh, a, a blast. I just saw him two days ago. I'd never see this is weird where it all comes together. But I went out to go see Gavin DeGraw and he's mm-hmm. friends and a fan of Gavin's. So I saw him and we're, we're all standing around and somebody's like, there's a lot of keyboard players here right now. So <laughs> he told me his daughter was doing comedy. Yeah. And yeah. She's funny as well. I, I, at a, at, to a different degree, but, um, uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, what, what does your daughter do? Well, she works at an advertising agency, uh, in, in Brooklyn. But um, she was uh, she was involved in like uh, you know the, the citizens brigade that like, mm-hmm. that oh, like improv yeah. oh yeah COVID took that out yeah so I don't think I'm allowed to say if she's doing yeah, I, I, <laughs> don't I, don't, I, don't get yourself have, in trouble my dad yeah. privileges of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or you know filters kicking in I'm not allowed to I'm not 
allowed to call it a bit or a stand up or a routine or I don't, you know. Right. I'm still a dad. What are you talking about? Don't ask me about that. That's so, so funny. She's funny. I think she's doing what you guys are doing to a certain degree. Great. Starting out, but um, yeah. But I'm a, I, I'd love to hear you guys. I have the utmost respect and disdain for comics. And, <laughs> so do we. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Mostly ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I know. We're all, we're in the same, it's, we're in the same racket, dude. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for all being right. so cool. And, uh, and, um, and uh, I really, I hope I didn't talk too much. No, this was, it was great. It was, it was so, it was perfect. We'd, we'd, it was great. we'd love you to so have much. you back if you'd want to come on. Yeah. Anytime. My Grammy, okay? All right. Do it. Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on the shelf back there. Well, yeah. 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 All right. Okay, I'm in the basement. I'm not going anywhere. See you next week, everybody. <laughs> all right. Bye. Thanks, man.